Welcome to Cancer and You, with psychotherapist and writer Karen Seeger, who has also been diagnosed with breast cancer twice. The program is for everybody affected by cancer, whether you are the one with the illness, family, a friend, colleague, or healthcare professional. Karen talks about the emotional and mental impact of cancer and how to cope. She records her shows on her orange houseboat on the River Thames in the UK. Please note that Cancer and You does not provide medical advice. And now over to your show host, Karen Seeger. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Cancer and You with me, Karen Seeger. I'm a psychotherapist and writer based in London, UK. I specialize in the emotional and mental impact of cancer and I have been diagnosed with breast cancer twice. If you've listened to previous programs, then you know I do a lot of the talking. And today is going to be different. Today is the first of two programs, which I call Cancer Voices. I've asked people in the cancer community to come and speak on the program and to share their opinion and views. Today's program is all about cancer lessons from people who have been there for people who are there at the moment. The next program in the series Cancer Voices will look at encouragement for those who are newly diagnosed. If this is your first time here, then you're most welcome. If you have come back for more, then it's great to have you back. Our three guests today are Bruce, Rod and Sarah. They have recorded contributions themselves, so they are not live here with me in the studio, but I hope it all makes for a smooth listening experience. Cancer Lessons I don't know where you are at at the moment, indeed whether you are the one with cancer or whether you are a relative, friend, colleague or work in the medical profession. I find cancer lessons like life lessons change over time. We learn, we experience, we change our minds and so on. You will have a lot of life lessons and you may also have a lot of cancer lessons. Things perhaps that you would do differently now if you can and things which perhaps you have decided you would do all over again. That can range from the nature of the treatment or where you are going to have your treatment, how you interact with the team, the medical team, how you interact with your friends and family, how you talk about your experience or not, how you prepare, how you get through it, the decisions you make about life with or beyond cancer. And if you are family or friend, well, you too may have your own cancer lessons. You may ask more questions. You may be more or less supportive. You may think about yourself because you may have realized that cancer affects you too. It takes a lot of energy to support somebody with cancer and your own life may also be changed because a lot of uncertainty may be unfolding. 
I have talked a lot about things like that in previous programs and will continue to do so in future programs. If you want to read up on the emotional and mental impact of cancer on all of us, then check out various self-help articles on my website karenzieger.com, my videos on YouTube, where you can also find copies of previous broadcasts of Cancer and You in case you missed them. Now, without further ado, let's hear from our contributors. Today I would like to start off with Bruce, who's based here in the UK. Bruce was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma 30 years ago. Since then, he's worked in the cancer field in various professions. Now he is a writer and illustrator, and I also feature him on my website for the Creative Despite Cancer project. Over to you, Bruce. Hello, my name is Bruce Gilligan. I'm age 57 and I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at the age of 25 in 1986. At that time, I was married with a young family, a daughter aged three and a half, and a son who was just eight weeks old. I was treated for my cancer at Cookridge Hospital near Leeds. A year after my treatment finished, I left a career as an engineer and embarked on a 30-year-long obsession with cancer. During that time, I qualified as an oncology nurse and worked at the Royal Marsden Hospital in London before taking up a position as a haematology nurse at the Northern General Hospital in Sheffield. Later, I joined the pharmaceutical industry as a nurse advisor, where I continued to specialise in oncology until I was forced to retire a year ago due to long-term side effects as a result of the cancer treatment I'd received over 30 years ago. I now fill my time writing and illustrating. I have two published adventure books called Drifting and Seeing, and I've also self-published two cancer-related booklets, one about communication in cancer and the other about neutropenia. I've certainly learned a lot of lessons in cancer over the years, firstly as a cancer patient, then as a nurse, and also during my time working in oncology clinicals research. But if I had to pick one as the biggest cancer lesson, I think it would be that it's okay to not have all the answers, just as it is in other aspects of life. When I was diagnosed, there was no internet, no iPhones and no computers for me to Google information. Indeed, even patient support groups were not what they are today, focusing more on palliative care rather than providing patient support information back then. I'd been diagnosed and treated by the time the Lymphoma Association was even founded. I remember desperately searching for any information I could about my lymphoma, but there was nothing. The closest I came to discovering what my lymph nodes were for was when I stumbled on a condition in a Reader's Digest Family Health Encyclopedia called elephantiasis, which is a disease caused by parasitic worms spread by mosquitoes which is something you don't see very often in West Yorkshire. Even though I managed somehow to blindly navigate my way through my treatment and recovery, my desire to find out more about the dreadful illness they call cancer never left me. It was for this reason I decided to give up a very good and secure career as an engineer 
to become a student nurse with all the questions and uncertainty that that would entail, such as, would I be any good at it? Could I even pass the entrance exam? Would I be able to stomach the gory bits? And would they even accept me because of my recent medical history? But gradually, I got some answers. Yes, I could pass the entrance exam. And yes, they could accept me on the three-year training course. And yes, apparently I could summit the gory bits. Well, most of them anyway. And I think, yes, I did make an okay nurse in the end. Life is different now to when I was diagnosed. The internet and technology has meant there is an abundance of cancer-related information available to anyone. Yet whilst I've learned many things about cancer and its management, one of the most important lessons I have learned is not to believe everything I read or hear. Instead, I follow the mantra of assume nothing and challenge everything. Consequently, I've come to realise there is so much more I still don't know about cancer. But I can accept that. I know many people don't like the uncertainty that comes with not having all the answers. But I've learned that uncertainty can inspire hope. And when I'm faced with difficulties such as illness or embarking on significant life events, I've learned hope is the most important thing for me to have. Thank you, Bruce. I'm sure a lot of our audience today can relate to what you have described. Uncertainty inspires hope. And often we think we can't have hope because of uncertainty. But I understand what you say. And personally, it has given me renewed encouragement. It's also encouraging to hear somebody speak who was diagnosed all those years ago. I don't know about you, I don't know many people who have lived that long and they don't necessarily need to have died of cancer but I just don't know anyone and it's great to hear somebody speak about their experiences as a patient but also as a medical professional in the field and also to find out how things were then. Perhaps we take it for granted that we have all this information at our fingertips and sometimes it makes things more difficult. It's also okay not to know. Again, very wise words for all of us. My next guest is Sarah from the UK. Sarah was diagnosed with breast cancer a couple of years ago. She runs a very helpful website, Tick Off Breast Cancer, and she has a book coming out later this year in September. Over to you, Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mum to two lovely children and I'm married to a wonderful, supportive husband. Two and a half years ago, when I was 42, I was diagnosed with primary breast cancer. Following my run-in with breast cancer, I now run a website called tickingoffbreastcancer.com which is dedicated to helping people through their breast cancer treatment. I have a book of the same name, which accompanies the website, coming out at the end of September this year. My biggest cancer lesson has been to slow down. Before I had cancer, I was a crazy busy working mum of two. I worked four days a week in London and was a full-time mum to my children, who were nine and 11 at the time of my diagnosis. I was running our family home and generally juggling lots of balls, not allowing one to fall down. 
My husband works long days, so every day I rushed to get the kids to school, rushed to work, worked hard, proving that I was still as productive even though I was working part-time, and rushed home to deal with all the after-school activities, mealtimes, homework and household chores. I had high expectations of myself, but I now realise that all this rushing around was not good for my health. But I was also rushing through life without stopping to take it in and enjoy it. Thank you, Sarah. Enjoy the life you have, whether you have cancer or not. And sometimes it's only after illness that we realise that a lot that we took for granted was really special. And sometimes it's never too late to make important changes, like slowing down. And if you have been affected by various cancer side effects, you may be fatigued. You may have to slow down because your energy levels are not the same. And that's not easy either. But I think Sarah talks about really being present in our life and enjoying the special moments. We all have to rush around a lot, many of us, even while we go through cancer treatment. And especially where we have families and even supportive families, there is still a lot of responsibility that we have to take care of. So thanks, Sarah. We have to slow down. There is no shame in that. And finally, in today's program, Cancer Voices, I would like to introduce you to Rod from Australia. Rod is a 68-year-old Australian print and web publisher who says he spends too much time on social media advocating for guys with breast cancer. He was diagnosed with stage 3B breast cancer in 2014 and with prostate cancer in 2016. He is in remission for both diseases. His informative website mailbc.org that's mail b for breast c for cancer.org is a compilation of the latest diagnosis treatment and research on breast cancer in men over to you rod okay so my biggest cancer lesson is learn to be resilient we all know a cancer diagnosis presents challenges, especially for those with rare diseases or those geographically isolated. Medical professionals are busy people. We can't get to see them as much as we like and we really have to look to our own resources to help us between appointments. Patients, therefore, need a strategy, one that connects them to their peers, to new research and to a professional medical community with individuals engaged and thoughtful enough to post on social media sites. Personal resilience is important for coping with unexpected changes and challenges in life. It's an asset never more valuable than when facing a cancer diagnosis. Coping with the medical aspects of a disease is stressful and by applying your inner strength along with the strengths of others you can belong to social media support groups that will help you take control of your diagnosis and treatment. Now, knowledge by itself is not power. And becoming resilient is not just about learning as much as possible about your treatment so that you can follow what is happening. 
Rather, it's about using this knowledge effectively. Learning how to interpret what you learn and sharing information by connecting with willing medical professionals builds your self-confidence. And training your brain to be analytical is an important part of your patient experience and is a sound basis for confidently passing on your knowledge to others. So people often ask me why I'm so active on social media and social media forums on sites such as Twitter and Facebook. Basically it's because to support others and get support myself. An answer to why I would trade my privacy for full access to a public forum, especially Twitter, less so on closed Facebook pages, I say I've weighed up the negatives such as sorting out misinformation and myths from quality information and I've decided to present as much information as I can so that I can learn enough and focus on areas of need for myself, my colleagues. In other words, not straying too far from what I need to know. The positive outweigh the negatives, especially for a man like myself dealing with a breast cancer diagnosis and treatment. These include psychological and social support, education from medical professionals about the benefits of particular research outcomes, and finding medical trials and studies that choose to recruit my cohort. So the engagement of empowerment of social media helps me build a support team, helps me communicate and bond with other cancer survivors, helps me cope with the stress and anxiety of treatment, and improves my problem solving and coping strategies. I'd like to end by saying that resilience is important as exercise since building a strong mind is just as important as building a strong body. Thank you. Resilience is important. And even if you feel you can't do everything that Rod suggests, like being an active participant in social media, doing all this research and being vocal and wanting to find out information, you might not be that type of person, you might not feel well enough to do it. But I guess Rod is talking about the importance of having an open mind and the importance of feeling part of a community and even if it is a virtual community. And sometimes we may prefer to be by ourselves and to enjoy solitude moments and that's okay too. I think Rod has given us a lot of useful points and also a lot to think about if we make choices about being visible on social media, sharing our own experiences and asking questions. Sometimes we may feel we make ourselves vulnerable. There is a trade-off and we all have to make those choices for ourselves. We are coming to the end of today's program and I'd like to thank so much my three contributors today. I don't know about you, but I feel we have been given a very varied, diverse, yet well-rounded overview of cancer lessons. And you too may have your own, which you would like to add. Do get in touch. 
I'm happy to have you on the show in the future or to read out any comments and suggestions that you would like to make. I also have an article about cancer lessons on my website and again I'm happy to add your own thoughts to that. Join us next time for more Cancer Voices when Gary, Sarah and Rod will give us pieces of encouragement. Wherever you are, take good care of yourself and I look forward to welcoming you here again very soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Cancer and You with your host Karen Seeger. You can follow Karen on Twitter at Karen Seeger. Catch up with her articles, videos and work via her website karenseeger.com. That is K-A-R-I-N-S-I-E-G-E-R. We look forward to welcoming you here again next time.